We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, Alan Dempsey does our engineering superbly each week. Andrew Herdliska is our producer, and Deborah Cohn-Lloyd is our guest. We're going to talk about her new book, Your Vocational Credo, Practical Steps to Discover Your Unique Purpose. Deborah, nice of you to join me. How are you doing? I'm doing great today, Pat. I'm happy to be here. Why was it important to you to write this book? Great question. Um, I uh, went through a crisis in my life where I lost my voice, mm. and it seemed to me to um, be extremely negative, except I had this this uh, thing going in the back of my head that it was a metaphor. And so I sunk into the experience as deeply as I could as a spiritual formation practice and discovered that... Um, that the pain in our lives is supposed to be the thing that prompts us to uh, the calling that God has for us. Deborah Lloyd is a teacher, pastor, church planter, serves as an adjunct faculty member at George Fox University and Warner Pacific College in uh, Portland, Oregon. She lives in Portland. Let's get started here, Deborah. The first chapter, Why Vocation Matters. And what's the answer to that question? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, as human beings, and specifically as believers, we seem to think that vocation, what our vocation is, is a secret that God holds from us, and that at the right time, much like the Apostle Paul, there's going to be a blinding light from heaven that's going to reveal to us what we're called to. Uh, when, in fact, that experience that Paul had was not normative. It, it was very unique. And what what uh, I find in this ex- our vocational exploration is that when we learn how to read our own stories and we look for the opportunities that God has brought our way, uh, we can actually find uh, the work that God has for us, uh, which is very important. And um, when we find that, we can change the world. And, and I think that's what we're all called to do. We're all called to change the world in some way or another. And then you ask another qu- question. What is vocation anyway? Oh, that's also uh, something that's very near and dear to my heart. We use words like calling, which I just did. We use job. We use employment. We use career. We use all of these words about uh, about vocation and, and it's it, it muddies it muddies the water. What vocation is? Um, Bichner says 
The place that God calls you to is the place where your great joy meets the world's deep need. I love that definition. I think that's probably one of the best definitions of vocation that we have because it it uh, capitalizes on what makes me happy. What what would I do if money was no object? Um, and then how does that how does that um, help the other? In other words, vocation at the end of vocation is always another person not a self-actualized performing on a stage or something like that. There's always another person at the end of vocation. How pain sets the trajectory for vocation. What's that all about? Well, that's about reading your story. That's about looking in your um, into your past and seeing what are those things that have caused you to stop things that have actually stopped your life at times, maybe. Um, I I spoke about losing my voice. Well, obviously, I have a voice now because you can hear my voice, right? But at one point in my life, I had no voice whatsoever, absolutely no voice. Mm. Being the incredible extrovert that I am, uh, it was extremely painful. I lost uh, a, a huge portion of my life. And it's when I learned how to push back against that loss that I began to discover why God put me on this earth. And God put me on this earth to help other people find their voice and their vocation. So um, that word vocation comes from the Latin of vocatio, and um, it means to be called forth for a purpose. And um, as as a Christian, I believe that purpose is a God purpose. So vocation is a spiritual is a spiritual formation practice. Tell me about illumi- illumination from darkness, Deborah. What does that mean? Illumination from darkness is is uh, is talking about um, the, your story. It's it's talking about delving into the darkest places. We uh, tend to think that um, our growth comes from a very happy, warm place. In other words, if I'm blessed and things go well for me, um, then I'll have this strong sense of who I am and what I'm supposed to do. In fact, that is is probably not true for most of us. Um, uh, It is our dark times that define us. It's what we do in the darkness. And, and uh, when we're walking through deep waters, that defines us. And so it's really important to look at those things and do a, do a timeline of your life and to um, look at your, your mountaintops and your valleys. We, we seem to be uh, just uh, compelled forward to the next thing that we have to accomplish, the next thing that we have to do, and we don't take time to reflect and find the mountaintops and the valleys in our lives and then to look at really look at those valleys and find themes that um, that uh, need to be energized. And then the puzzle pieces of your story. What's that? That's putting those that's putting those things together. There are certain things about your story that um, are really indicative. I ask a couple of questions. I I I have a vocational triangle in the book. And it's, um, it's something that can be utilized quite easily by anybody reading the book. Um, and 
one of the things I ask is, you know, what what's your favorite quote or your favorite book? And when somebody answers that question, usually comes to mind rather quickly. Some people will give a scripture, some people will quote Gandhi, some people will quote something that they read in a book one time that was very impactful for them. And what that puzzle piece is, is that exemplifies their values. What are their values in life? And that's a huge part of the puzzle. Now I want you to talk about dreams that heal the world. That sounds very interesting. It, well, it is, and I use the story of Joseph to illustrate how these dreams work. And Joseph started out with literal dreams of greatness, and actually his dreams were very accurate, but it wasn't time for Joseph. <laughs> Joseph needed to, needed to uh, uh, fall into the crucible of an Egyptian prison, and he was probably in there for 12 years. And he went from dreaming his own dreams of greatness to interpreting the dreams of others to realizing the dream of his own greatness, which was uh, very humbly received by the time he got to that place in his life. And he, um, he saved uh, Egypt and his family and everybody in the, that part of the world at that time who put their trust in the grain stores of Egypt. That's a dream. His dream evolved. What it, and so I asked the question, if you could do anything, anything at all, to, um, to heal the, the world, what would you do? What would you do? And what keeps you awake at night? And what makes you pound your fist on the table? Those are dreams that heal the world. And though we may start out small with those, sometimes they, they grow quite large. I have a friend who started out in uh, one country in Africa just bringing sports equipment and helping women and children get health cards. Now she's in five countries in Africa doing this. It has grown. So she had a dream to heal the world in a small way, and it's grown large. My guest is Deborah Lloyd. We'll be back with Deborah to talk about your vocational credo right after this. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Just make it all stop for a few minutes. Help me, God. Three deadlines, four meetings. Uh, Looks like another late night at the office. Help me, God. I keep coming to these to forget my loneliness. So why do I still feel so alone? Help me, God. Help me, God. We 
We all have moments where we feel we've reached the end of our rope. Discover freedom from anxiety, stress, and fear when you spend time in God's Word. Crosswalk.com is here to help you start living a life filled with joy and peace. Choose to read the Bible and talk to God each day. Receive free daily devotionals from well-known pastors and authors, including Max Lucado, John Piper, Charles Stanley, James McDonald, and more. Find the inspiration and encouragement you need for each day sent right to your inbox. Sign up at Crosswalk.com. That's Crosswalk.com. Treasures and pages of scoundrels and sages get lost in the story of heartache to glory. Browse and discover, cover to cover. Worlds of excitement, out of delight. Just bring your curious mind and see what you'll find. Bright light books, discover your story. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. My guest is Deborah Lloyd from Portland. Uh, We're talking about her book, Your Vocational Credo. And by the way, right in the middle of your book, uh, you've got a whole chapter simply called Your Vocational Credo, Deborah. Uh, Tell me what you're telling us there. Well, I'm giving you the pattern there. Uh, uh, to create your own vocational credo. And a credo sounds something like this. I believe that God has put me on earth to so that. So um, my credo, if I believe uh, God has put me on earth to help other people find their voice and vocation so that uh, we can powerfully and creatively change the world. I, 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 still believe it's possible to change our world. I think it's imperative that we do change our world. And when you know what your core uh, motivation is in life, you're very powerful. The fact is is that um, people with passion um, don't have any problems finding followers. They don't have any problems getting people to buy in to what they want to do. And that's, that's the intent of the vocational credo, is to give you that unique bit of self-information that helps you be all that you can be and do all that you can do for the sake of the other. How about identifying toxic skills, Deborah? Oh, Pat, this is a really interesting, um, this is a really interesting chapter um, and it comes down to, to the idea that um, very often we confuse tools that have been given to us. Uh, maybe they're natural gifts, natural talents. Maybe, maybe it's uh, um, a, a, an opportunity, uh, opportunity that comes to us that isn't exactly uh, what we're supposed to be doing. However, it's a tool in our hands. Uh, example, very often, um, uh, people who are students or musicians, and I have uh, quite a few of these in my classes at Warner Pacific College, and they say, I'm called to, I'm called to be an athlete or I'm called to be a musician, and my response to that is not really. What you're called to is to serve people in that music talent or that athletic talent is merely a tool to help you get there. 
So what happens very often is that um, uh, we focus on the tools and those become toxic to us because that's not it. That's not the focus. Uh, in in my life, I um, I have a couple of degrees. One of them is an accounting degree, and I had an accounting business for a long time, which most people that know me think that's pretty ridiculous because I'm an artist and I'm creative. And so I focus on the tool, uh, not realizing that there was something greater for me. And I burned out. Mm. Made I made a lot of money in the process, but I I burned out, and I realize now that um, I've started a number of uh, organizations and ministries over the years, and I couldn't have done that without that tool. But if I focus on the tool, it's going to be toxic to me. Addressing the fear of failure. Oh, boy. We all deal with that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I... Of course, since I since I sort of see the upside down side of things, Pat, I um, I uh, I actually think failure that we can't get anywhere without it. We just can't. We have to have a great relationship with failure. We have to be able to fail and go, wow, that was interesting. Here's what I learned, and then move beyond it. If everything goes right all the time, we have no impetus to change anything or to explore anything new or to push beyond our limits. Um, so the the failure is absolutely important to our growth. And our culture tells us the opposite. Our culture has some pretty certain things to say about failure. Pursuing change and chaos that's another yeah. interesting one. Uh, tell us to, about that, Deborah. Well, um, change is very hard for a lot of people, and um, you have to be willing to to move into the chaos. You have to have to be willing to move into uncertainty and to push your way through. And this chapter is written with the idea that um, that um, we don't we don't travel out. Uh, into a new adventure just to be slapped down and, and hurry back to the safety of home. We travel out into that new adventure with the idea of pushing through and ending up someplace new. And people that have navigated that process of pushing forward do it over and over and over again in their lives, and they're powerful people. So how do we do that? There's a, a diagram I call it the chaos model that um, a friend shared with me years and years ago that um, helps you work your way through that and understand what's happening to you in that process and what it takes to get to the other side. My guest is uh, Deborah Lloyd. Her book is called Your Vocational Credo, Practical Steps to Discover Your Unique Purpose. Now... Here's the next one, Deb. Discovering your vocational preferences. What does that mean? That uh, that means that there are certain ways that we would just rather do our work. Things that are um, attractive to us or ways of being or giftings that we have that just make it uh, an easier way to express. And the way that I like to explain this is um, say you have uh, a person who is um, very extroverted, 
needs to, um, an extrovert has a hard time with a spiritual formation practices, for instance. If you tell an extrovert to sit down and pray in a little room in the dark and the quiet, they're going to kind of go nuts. But if you send them out into the neighborhood and say, go for a walk um, and pray while you're walking, they're going to notice the trees and the flowers. They're going to talk to people. They're going to pet dogs. They're going to do all kinds of things that are different. So um, uh, the idea is that that same process applies to work. So if you have an extrovert, say, working at the post office, and you put them in the room where you sort the mail, they're going to go nuts. But if you send them out walking, delivering mail, they're going to love it because they're going to get to talk to people and they're going to get to be outside and they're going to get to talk to the squirrels and the dogs and all that kind of stuff. So... um, Discovering the way that you best live that out. Some people best live that live out their vocation through uh, artistic means. Some people are communicators. Some people are caregivers. How do you best live that out? And there's a diagnostic in there that I researched and wrote. It's pretty accurate. And this, uh, this, uh, the results of that diagnostic shouldn't be a huge surprise to you. But what they do is they help you focus down. Uh, and um, and figure out what needs to be added to your life and what needs to be subtracted. Really helpful. Leaving behind a legacy. I'm eager to hear about it. Yeah, this part I like too because that's at the place I'm at in my life, and that is, you know, how do we how do we pass on what we've learned to the next generation, and how do we make room or a generation that has different opinions, a different theology, et cetera, than we do. And um, I use the uh, example of Elijah when he um, went up in the fiery chariot with Elisha. And Elisha uh, picks up the cloak off the ground after the fiery chariot's gone away. It's the only thing Elijah leaves behind. And he shakes it out and puts it over his shoulder and walks over to the sea and, and tries to perform the same miracle. Does the sea part when he, when, he, um, when he throws a cloak out there? And yes, it does. And uh, so Elijah passed on his legacy. He passed on his power. He mentored Elijah for at least six years. And what are we doing to um, follow in that example? Uh, how, do we, how do we do that? How do we make ourselves available? That's what that chapter's about. Giving voice to your song. I want to have you dive into that one, Deborah. Okay, that one is uh, kind of my conclusion there. And it's based on the, um, on the Native American practice of finding a song for each person that's born into the world. And that happens at birth. And um, the community learns the song of the individual. And when the individual begins to get off track in life, they bring uh, that person into the center of the, of the um, tribe and they surround that person with those who know the song. And those people sing that song to the person that's getting off track, and it reminds that that person of who they are and why they're here. And it's just a, a story of how people around you, your 
friends, your community will sing your songs back to you and remind you who you are and why you're here. And that's, that's the community connection. That's the part that we absolutely cannot do without because none of us can do this on our own. At the end of your book, Deborah, you've got a little section called the Vocational Triangle Template. Mm-hmm. What, what is that about? Well, um, that is about discerning your vocation. And um, it, it's a reference for some work that goes on earlier in the book. It's, uh, the book is instructive, but it's also a little tiny bit of a workbook. So if you go through, if you go through the book uh, and do the exercises at the end of each chapter, you will be able to fill out this template. You you extrapolate from the template. Um, uh, your you it has your favorite quote. It has your first pain that you talk about there, and it that, this all explained in the book and how I want to heal the world. And those three things converge together to help you create your vocational credo. What do you want to take people to take from our discussion, Deborah? I want people to know that they are more powerful than they can imagine. And if they do the courageous work of vocational discernment, not in the traditional way, but um, if they if they read the book They'll, they'll find themselves in the pages of the book, and they'll be able to uh, come up with something that's reasonably close to uh, their passion. And once they've identified their passion, um, they become uh, a person to be reckoned with in this world. And they become um, somebody that's going to do good for others, for the sake of others. That's what I want people to know, that that's, that's our calling. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And it is discernible for everybody. I've never had a failure on this in all the workshops that I've done and classes that I've taught. People do find their core motivation, and it's extremely liberating. What's next for you? Wow, what's next for me? Well, um... I am a serial entrepreneur, (laughs) (laughs) and um, I am really concerned about um, biblical interpretation, and uh, I am hopefully writing my next book, I've already started actually, on uh, scriptures that seem to hold women down as far as leadership and theology goes in the Church. And um, there's a lot of new scholarship going around about that. And I think it's incredibly liberating for men and women. Um, I, I believe that uh, patriarchy hurts men just as much as it hurts women. So I, I, that's what I'm writing about next. Well, I'm very excited. Yeah, well, good, Deborah. Thanks a million. I'm so glad that we could visit. Uh, the book is called Your Vocational Credo, Practical Steps to Discover Your Unique Purpose. And the author is Deborah Lloyd, who's been with us. And Deborah, a million thanks. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and holiday out there on the West Coast. And uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon, I hope. Okay. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Pat. And thank you so much for having me. This has really been fun. We have more, folks. Uh, stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And uh, 
Stay tuned. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Holiday cards cost time and money. Why not send a card to everybody fast and free from CrossCards.com? Share joy, love, fun, and God's inspiration free. CrossCards.com. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-824-5131 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-824-5131. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. What's new at the new 950 WTLN? Keep the faith. Saturday nights at midnight, three hours of just the right Bible message for you. Packaged with your favorite contemporary Christian music. It's new, it's fresh, it's Keep the Faith. Saturday nights at midnight on the new 950 WTLN. And now on 94.9 FM. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Deborah Lloyd was our guest in that first half hour talking about her book, Your Vocational Credo. Tommy Colonin is with us next, folks, urban minister at Crossover Church in Tampa. And we're talking about his book, Rebuild, Reset Your Life, Renew Your Church, Reshape Your World. Uh, Tommy, great to talk to you, and I hope things are well over in our neighboring city there in Tampa. Yeah, things are good over here. It's been a nice, warm December. Oh, how about that? Yeah. By the way, uh, tell me about uh, Crossover Church. Tell me about your church. Sure. Crossover Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, very diverse church, and I've actually been there for... Coming up in January will be 20 years, actually, that I've been there My in urban ministry. Mm. And so we're, we're known for the arts. We're very much into uh, using different kinds of the arts to celebrate celebrate Christ. And so we use hip-hop and R&B and reggae and spoken word and film and dance. And so that's one of the things that a lot of people know us for. Tell me uh, the reason behind this book. What uh, prompted you to put it together? Well, I originally grew up in, in Philly, and ah. my dad was actually in ministry as well. So I'm, I'm what's known as a PK, pastor's kid. So I grew up around seeing, seeing a lot of brokenness and watching God rebuild a lot of people. And I even went through a season, you know, as, as an older teenager where I was 
in my rebellious pastor's kid streak. <laughs> and so, but God kept his hand on my life and rebuilt me as well. I went to Bible college. I wasn't sure, you know, why I was there. And my first year, God really put it on my heart to do urban ministry. So my second year, I came to Florida. I went to Southeastern University over in Lakeland and had this plan that I was going to go back up to Philly when I graduated. And I met my wife there. She was from New York City. So we both said, we're going back up north. But God, you know, didn't open up any doors. And he opened up this door at this little church that had just started called Crossover in Tampa. And so, as I said, you know, we've been there now almost two decades and rebuilding the lives of people in, you know, in the urban context. And that's not an event. It's a process. So this book has kind of been brewing in my heart for, you know, many, many years as I've been watching God rebuild people. And then a big part of the book as well talks about this miracle story of our young urban church that we had this little campus in the middle of a neighborhood that was given to us, and it only sat about 200 people. And so we were bursting at the seams, doing three services at an overflow room, and we just really couldn't grow anymore there. And the neighbors were mad at us because we brought so much traffic and noise into the neighborhood. And so we knew that God had a bigger space for us somewhere, but it seemed like this impossible dream. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it, I'm sure, through the interview, but we uh, have this incredible rebuilding journey to rebuild a former Toys R Us store in the heart of the inner city. And so that's included, kind of weaved through the book. Tommy, the first chapter is called Confronting Our Pain. Uh, how do you open? Mm-hmm. How do you open your story here? What's that about? Well, really, if you want to be rebuilt, all of us are broken, and we have pain. And so, if we try to ignore that and and just well, let's brush that under the rug. Let me get to the rebuilding part. Like, no, you have to confront your pain, and you have to let God begin to heal you through that. So, I talk about some of the pain I've been through in my life from. Uh, losing one of my best friends to my father being a minister, having a massive brain aneurysm and, and never fully recovering from that, to even me and my wife losing uh, an unborn child. So I definitely understand pain, and I've seen a lot of pain, you know, in the lives of many people in our church. And so, and, and then we also, the whole book ties in this biblical thread of Nehemiah and how he rebuilt Jerusalem. So even there in the first chapter of Nehemiah, you see. Um, Hanani came to him. He was, you know, Nehemiah was a cupbearer in the palace. He had this great job. Uh, he was living in luxury. And Hanani came to him and said, man, Jerusalem is in ruins. It's a mess. Our people are struggling. It's terrible. And instead of him just doing the typical Christian response of, oh, man, that's terrible. I'll pray for you. Like God literally broke his heart and he had compassion and he felt pain. And so, you know, he fasted and prayed for like months. And then he approached the king and, and requested this, you know, permission to go and rebuild. So Nehemiah is kind of weaved all through the book as it kind of walks you through this process of rebuilding. Second topic I want you to talk about, becoming a humble beast. What, yeah. What is that? Yeah, I know. That's a, that's a good question, right? So uh, that's chapter two in the book. And uh, in urban vernacular, and, and you might have heard it a little bit, where people, if you're great at something, people will say, man, you're a beast. Man, you, you Pat, you're a beast at that radio show. I mean, <laughs> you're really good at it. So, you know, a lot of times in sports, people use that, that term as well. Um, so in urban vernacular, you know, everybody wants to be great at what they do. We all want to be great at what we do. We want to be the best. So you want to be a beast, you know, and that's okay. 
But at the same time, when we become a beast, when we become great, then pride can creep in. And so God wants us to be the best at what we do, and but to give Him glory and to give Him shine and point to Him, not for us to, you know, take the credit. And so that's really, it's saying, man, be great at what you do, but learn humility. So be a humble beast. Now, let's talk about learning new skills. Yeah, learning new skills, uh, if you are going to be rebuilt, many times you have to, you know, learn some things that you previously didn't do before and you don't have experience and you don't have a skill set and it can be scary. And God, at many points in our lives, as you're in this rebuilding journey, he's going to call you to do new things that you're going to have to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to step out of your box. And so I, I share a lot of things in there that I did uh, throughout my life where God just took this young kid from Philly to, uh, you know, leading uh, a large church and doing music and traveling around the world. And I never even got on an airplane until I was 19. And now, you know, I'm traveling all the time. So learning new skills and then tying that in with Nehemiah, I mean, he was the cupbearer in the, in the king's palace. And now here he's having to take on this huge rebuilding project and he's having to learn construction and organizational management and you know, rallying all these people together and yet fighting off opposition. And so if you want God to do a great rebuilding work in your life, in your family, in your city, you're going to have to learn some new skills. How about this topic? No free passes. No free passes. I'm, I'm sure if people knew your full story, knew my full story, you know, they would probably look at it a little bit differently. But because sometimes when people see you doing something great, they can think like, oh, wow, must be nice. Or they can just think you just suddenly rose to that position. But generally in life, if you're going to do something great for God, um, there's not a free pass. It's going to take time. Getting rebuilt just doesn't happen overnight. And so in there, in that chapter, specifically talk about some of the struggle and some of the things we have to go through. And But God shapes us and molds us and makes us into a new person as we're in that rebuilding process. And it's not free. There's some pain. There's some, some sweat. There's, you know, some, some super effort. But God shapes us even through those moments. Tommy Colonin is our guest from Tampa. Uh, his church, Crossover Church, uh, Urban Ministry, that's Tommy's uh, calling. Now, Tommy, facing opposition. Where does that figure? That is one of the, the toughest things we'll go through in the rebuilding process in our lives, and that's usually where a lot of people check out and where a lot of people will crumble and melt. And that's when opposition begins to come up against us, because anytime there is opportunity to do something great, there's always going to be some opposition. But then on the flip side, I'll say anytime there's opposition, there's always some opportunity for God to show up and do something uh, amazing. And so in, in that chapter of the, the Rebuild book, chapter 5, um, I share some personal stuff that I've been through in my life. One of them, uh, quick story, you know, our church is located in, in the inner city of Tampa, and my cell phone got stolen out of my car. Uh, one night as I was teaching a leadership class, I, you know, I was, I totally forgot and left my phone sitting in a cup holder. And so someone just walked along and broke in my car and took it. And I did end up finding the phone through iCloud. You know, it has a tracker in there. So 
uh, I, I knew where the phone was, but, you know, I, I went to, it was in an apartment complex near the church, but it was multiple stories. And so I'm walking down the hallways. I'm trying to call the phone from my wife's phone to see if I hear it ringing. And, you know, I didn't, uh, but a crazy thing happened and someone was trying to call me from our staff and the person who stole the phone picked it up and was trying to ask whose phone is this was trying to figure out like what the details were. And so long story short, I ended up being on the phone uh, about an hour after that with the actual guy who stole it. And he was, uh, cursing me out. He got disrespectful with me. He, it was just really, so I hadn't had anyone do that to me in a while. I was definitely facing some big opposition and I felt the old, the old me rising up for a minute there. Like, man, how dare you? You don't know me. Uh, but at that same moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, man, just listen to the voice of this, you know, young kid that's on the phone. And this is who you're called to minister to. This is who you minister to regularly. Anyways, the difference is this guy just took your phone. Can you still love him and minister to him? So I, I began to change my tone in the conversation, began to minister to him. Um, long story short, a little later that day, he brought me my phone back and met me at the church. I got to pray with him. I got to talk with him. Um, it turned into an incredible ministry opportunity that his neighbor that helped me get the phone back, I even ended up um, ministering to him, ended up marrying him and his live-in girlfriend for the last seven years. And just some amazing opportunity came out of this opposition. I was upset that I lost my phone, but all this great stuff came out of it. And I actually got my phone back. <laughs> so, uh, And then in that chapter of the book, in Nehemiah, uh, we also touch on you know how Nehemiah had all these people coming against him, but he was able to press through the opposition. Next, <clears throat> next topic for you, Tommy. <clears throat> you call it breathing room. What's that? Uh, whenever we're rebuilding... Uh, whatever just we're going through life and God has us working on something, sometimes it can feel like it gets to that point where there is no breathing room. There's no margin. And so in that chapter in specific, I really talk about our church and how we took on this huge rebuilding project of uh, rebuilding a former Toys R Us store. So a 43,000 square foot building that this young urban church took on. And it was just a monstrous project. And so as you can imagine, as we were trying to raise money for it and trying to get all the details figured out, and this was back in 2008, 2009, 2010, when the recession was in full force. So it wasn't really a great time to try to raise money and try to sell a, a, a church property and, you know, sign a lease on a new one. It, it just wasn't a great real estate season either. Um, but even through all that, even though there was many times we felt like there was no breathing room, we watched God just carry us through it, and there was miracle after miracle. And it wasn't like there was just one person that came along and wrote a check and that solved everything. It was just all these little things that God just kept us going from one step to the next step to the next step. We had to just keep trusting Him, and uh, we watched God work all the details out. So we got to trust Him in those moments that it feels like there's no breathing room. Sometimes He's expanding our our, our trust, our strength, our breathing capacity, and uh, we watched him do do a real miracle. My guest, <clears throat> our guest today is uh, Tommy Colonin, and uh, we're talking about his book, Rebuild, Reset Your Life, Renew Your Church, Reshape Your World. Topping off the walls, Tommy. Uh, that's the next topic I want you to talk about. Topping off the walls is talking about finishing 
And we live in a world where so many people start new things every day. You know, you probably run into people that are friends or family or coworkers, and they're excited about this new thing that they're starting. And that might be anything from, you know, a new business they're starting to, you know, maybe I'm starting this new diet, you know, 2016 is about to start, right? <laughs> so we're going to start this new diet or this new workout plan or, you know, whatever the case is. It might be a hobby that they have and they're starting this new project based out of that. And so people start new things every day and they talk about it, they get excited about it, they post it on social media. Um, but we live in a culture where rarely do people finish strong. And if we look in the scripture, Jesus was, he was a finisher. He finished his mission. And even when it got tough, even when there was opposition and there was no breathing room and he finished strong. Nehemiah, we look at this incredible rebuilding project that he had, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and rebuilding the people, not just, uh, you know, not just rebuilding those walls physically, but rebuilding the people um, emotionally and spiritually and even rebuilding the city economically. Um, that took a long time. My guest is Tommy Colonnan. More <clears throat> right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. I dread the holidays, the parties and gatherings, not because I don't like Christmas, it's because I don't like the way I look. Gum disease has robbed me of what used to be one of my best features, my smile. Are you going through the holidays with dental pain? Are you starting out the new year with a missing or broken tooth? Surgical Solutions can help you restore your smile. Dr. David Turbifull, a board-certified oral surgeon, specializes in full mouth reconstruction, extractions, implants, bone grafting, and sedation. Don't hide yourself away from family and friends, and don't spend the season in pain. Surgical Solutions has multiple locations in Central Florida with flexible hours. Call Surgical Solutions today at 844-FIX-BITE. That's 844-349-2483 to schedule your complimentary consultation today. Don't let your dental problems affect your holidays or prevent 2016 from being your best year yet. Surgical Solutions is dedicated to improving your quality of life by providing solutions for every smile. Part of the Implant Solutions Today Network. Honey, what's this? That is a VCR. Huh? You know, remember video cassettes? Hey, let's see what's in there. Oh, I remember that day. What a great family memory. I know, Sarah's first birthday party. You know, it seems like yesterday. Hey, I've got an idea. Sarah and John will be here for Christmas with the grandkids. Let's get it out of the VCR to make sure... Oh, no. Honey, what's wrong? The tape is stuck in the VCR, and I wanted that memory to last forever. Hi, this is Vito at Network Sound and Video, and you can save those memories forever and just in time for your family holiday gatherings. We specialize in restoring old videos and pictures and saving them on DVD. We even digitize photos and slides, and we can create a wonderful slideshow. So gather your memories from VHS and 8mm film to prints and camcorder tapes, even if they're broken or stuck in the machine, and bring them in right away to Network Sound and Video, just in time for Christmas. Call 407-834-8555 or visit us online at NetworkSoundAndVideo.com. Network Sound and Video, where memories last forever. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Tommy Colonin is our guest. Crossover Church in Tampa. That's where he's headquartered. 
We're talking about his new book with IVP, Rebuild, Reset Your Life, Renew Your Church, Reshape Your World. Tommy, I want you to get into this topic for us, Empowering Others. Yes, well, my uh, my mission in life really has been to help other people, and that's you know what God's called me to do. Working with you know people in the urban context in Tampa, being a pastor, uh, being a leader, being uh, a mentor, and it's it's not just okay. I want this person to start a relationship with Christ, but then then I, I really want to you know discipleship. Yeah, I want to disciple them, and discipleship is a holistic thing. So to really empower someone to be everything that God has has called them to be. And, you know, the kingdom mindset is, man, we want to help you advance and be everything that God has called you to be, uh, versus many times the business mindset is, man, I, I don't want anyone to be as good as me. I don't want anyone to know my secrets. I don't want anyone to, you know, be able to be on the same level as me. But when you have a kingdom mentality, you're like, man, I want to show you everything that I've learned and help you be even better than me and do even greater things. And so empowering others really, you know, talks about that and talks about how Nehemiah went into Jerusalem and empowered people. And then even after the walls were built, he stuck around for years and years and just poured into people and rebuilt them. And so that chapter talks somewhat also about what we do at Crossover Church and empowering people in the urban context. We have a lot of people that come into our church that are broken, and a lot of it is generational cycles of brokenness and so they've never had a mentor or a solid role model um, to pour into them so that chapter really talks about some of the steps we take to do that and encourages the reader man there's people around you that you're called to empower at your job at your school uh, family members you're called to pour into them and spend time with them and mentor them and disciple them what does uh, a rebuilding movement that you write about what does that entail well, any kind of movement means that there's, you know, it means there's people that are on board and it's happening on a larger scale than just you. Um, so a lot of us can, can look and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm just an ordinary person. I, I can't start a movement of things. Maybe I can help one person, but, but you never know, because as we look in the Scripture, there's all kinds of rebuilding movements that were started with just ordinary people that uh, you know, empowered them and rose them uh, up to, to do great, great things. And, um, you know, it's, there, there's an old saying that, that talks about, you know, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And so I definitely didn't feel called to, you know, lead some kind of church or some kind of movement. Um, but God, you know, through time, as he rebuilt me, he qualified me. And so I know there might be somebody out there listening today that maybe doesn't feel qualified to do this thing that God has in front of you, but God may call you to, to start a rebuilding movement right there in your church, in your neighborhood, in your family, um, in your city, and that could spread like wildfire to a whole bunch of other people. So in my book, Rebuild, that chapter specifically talks about this rebuilding movement that's now happening with a lot of urban, multi-ethnic churches. We do a conference at our church every year called Flavor Fest, the Urban Leadership Conference, and this past October we celebrated doing it for 15 years. And so we've trained over 5,000 leaders, which has really turned into a rebuilding movement as dozens and dozens of churches have been planted and churches have been revitalized. And there's just this incredible movement that's happening in so many urban centers 
uh, around the country. And, and a lot of the arts and music is involved in that and outreach, um, doing church in kind of a, a new way, but keeping the gospel in the center of it. So I never would have thought I would have been part of a, a rebuilding movement like this, but um, it's been exciting. It's been amazing. Now I want you to talk about new life, new fam, new city. So new life, new fam, new city, and the fam means family. <laughs> what can it look like when everything gets rebuilt and God rebuilds you? Man, you can have a new life. You can have a new family. Your city can even begin to look different. You can bring change in your actual neighborhood, and that's what it can look like. And, of course, you know, things are never going to be perfect here on this earth because there's this thing here. So it gives us a glimpse, a glimpse of heaven and, you know, the kingdom that is to come. But um, God's kingdom is here within us, and we can bring change, and God's called us to do that. And so marriages can be restored and rebuilt. Relationships can be healed. You know, people can be set free of different addictions and, and problems that they have in their life. And so you can have a new life, a new fam, a new city. Um, as you let God rebuild you and as you're part of that process. So there's hope even right here, right now. Uh, tell me, Tommy, uh, what do you want people to take from our discussion here? What's uh, the bottom line? Yeah, I think even uh, as we're you know, approaching the end of this year and we have a new year coming on, I think all of us always think about resetting things, rebuilding things, making new commitments and you know, I, I challenge you today, if you're if you're listening, like, what are some of the areas of your life that might be broken right now? Because we all have some brokenness. What are some areas that you need to submit to God that He needs to to rebuild in this in this upcoming year? And don't wait until January first or the first week of January. Begin to work on that stuff now and and pray and spend some time with God and say, God, what what do you want to rebuild in me? And rebuilding is never just for you but it's for others as well. And that's a big message in, in my book, Rebuild, is when God rebuilds you or helps you top off the walls in some areas of your life, that's not just for you. It's to help other people rebuild as well and to empower other people. So rebuilding is always for others as well as it's for you. Tell me about um, Tampa. Tell me about the city. What have you learned about Tampa? What do you, what do you see every day? Well, Tampa is much like Orlando, is a, is a new emerging city, and there's a lot of people moving here from all over the place. I've been here almost 20 years now, and so there's so many people coming here from somewhere else, and sometimes you can find that people are running from something else. So they have problems wherever they were at, and they're trying to start a new life and rebuild, so they'll come down to sunny Florida you know, thinking, oh, man, this is going to be where I'm going to restart my life and everything's going to be better. And, you know, a geographical change can be great and it can help, you know, you restart some things. But ultimately, if your heart is not changed, if your heart is not reset or rebuilt, then you're still going to go back to the same things that you used to do. You're still going to have some of the same baggage and the same problems. And so that's one of the big things we see in Tampa as it's a new city that with so many people from somewhere else, there's a lot of brokenness. And a lot of people haven't put down roots, even to be involved in a local church or, you know, just have any kind of rhythm in their life. They kind of come to this new city, and sometimes it's hard for some people to, to really get their bearings. Um, so our church has been you know, big on trying to grab those kind of people and just rebuild them and show them Christ and help them put down new roots. And so our, our church is actually in a neighborhood that the nickname is Suitcase City. 
because it's so transient. There's a lot of um, evictions. There's a lot of homelessness. There's a lot of just drug problems. And so, you know, we purposely moved to that neighborhood. A lot of businesses moved out. Toys R Us moved out. And we moved in that building and said, man, we want to plant roots here and we want to help people plant roots and find Jesus and, and get rebuilt. Tell me, uh, what do you remember about your days in Philadelphia? Well, I have a lot of great memories. Um, I just actually went back to visit Philly over Thanksgiving break with my family. Haven't been up there in several years. I still have some great, great friends and uh, that are like family up there. And I have a lot of great memories. Love Philly. Um, grew up in a in a multi ethnic environment, and you know, grew up you know in kind of that urban context, loving basketball and and hip hop, and I was into break dancing and all those things. And God shaped a lot of those experiences um, in my life for me to do a lot of the things that that I do today. And I love Philly, love going back to get a good cheesesteak. Um, but I know that God has me planted in Tampa, and I'm grateful. Um, it was cold up there. It's nice and warm down here now, right? (laughs) Well, Tommy, it's wonderful to visit with you. Tommy Colonan has been our guest, author of the book Rebuild, Reset Your Life, Renew Your Church, Reshape Your World. Tommy, a million thanks and uh, continued success to you, sir. Sure, appreciate it. You guys have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. We'll be back, folks, for a wrap-up here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. So uh, hang in there for a minute. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour Deborah Lloyd was our guest in the first half hour from Portland, uh, talking about her book, Your Vocational Credo. And then uh, Tommy Colonan in Tampa, and our discussion was built around his book called Rebuild. Uh, Please visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, please check out my most recent book, It's called Extreme Winning. HCI is the publisher. Uh, The book is in bookstores now. We uh, write about the 12 qualities of extreme winners, uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. Amazon.com, by the way, a wonderful way uh, to order books. In the meantime, have a wonderful Christmas. A very Merry Christmas to you, and uh, we'll be back next week for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM in AM 950 WTLN. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.